0: Uh, Defensive touchdowns are always nice. Gotta watch that when you play Michigan State. They're a good defense, but Ohio State's an outstanding defense as well, and it's uh, Sparty and the Buckeyes in Ohio Stadium on Saturday night, 7.30. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the uh, We Tackle Life Spielman and Hooley podcast. Hello, Mr. Spielman.
1: How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's interesting to me, uh, Ohio State is so successful over the years in football that the losses just stick out like um you know a historical event that you can remember exactly where you were when it happened you know
1: (laughs) and so that's quite a testament isn't it it to the greatness of a program it
0: is because you know we it's you know purdue iowa rear view mirror but boy they're still front view mirror for a lot of people because every time ohio state goes on the road it's like oh is this another purdue is this another iowa and then every time you play michigan state you hear about '98, and you hear about uh, 2013 Big Ten title game, and you hear about 2015 at home, the Zeke Elliott game, where he didn't carry the ball and was mysteriously in the hospital that week, and all that. So uh, it's just it, it's interesting. It is. You're right. It's a testament to Ohio State's greatness that the losses just stick out so much that you just can't really eradicate them from your mind.
1: I think this team. Is not immune to losing. I think it's immune to losing like they lost to Iowa and they lost to Purdue because of the superior advantage that they have on defense. Just a a note on how good this defense is. Akuta couldn't get on the field last year. Wasn't good enough to get on the field. Mm. Right? Well, he played. But uh, but he wasn't an impact player. He wasn't a starter, was he?
0: I think he was a starter. I
1: thought Kendall uh, Sheffield Kendall and Sheffield, Arnett,
0: Damon Arnett. Yeah, I mean he was in a rotation. Okay, More he's in. Okay, but he,
1: We're talking about possibly the best corner in college football.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> pretty mean, special, at Nebraska.
1: You know, and Arnett's probably going to be a first rounder. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, in the way that the, that front nine is playing, Mark D'Antonio had a great quote uh, yesterday. Well, he's in. Uh, actually a funny quote from coach d'antonio quote. that i rarely think of Chase young in a human form in the human form <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh man with when i see the when his when i see his uh, uh dreadlocks or or braids coming out of the ba- I, I keep thinking of like he's like a predator guy man exactly he's yes. the predator that that and that's a great nickname for for a great pass rusher in the visor and all that if he has a visor or <laughs> on or something like that I um I talked to uh I was up in New York and I was speaking to some pro personnel people up there and they are enamored oh man. with Chase Young oh man enamored and I, and I said is he better than Bosa and they said well, they didn't even hesitate really they did not even hesitate yes now I the think that is yes, yes huh? I I well yeah and I think I have to think about that. I think they're a little bit different uh, type of player. We
0: need to differentiate which Bosa we're talking about.
1: Uh, well, I think they're the Nick okay. right now. Okay, uh, I think they're, they're different types of pass rushers. I mean, Chase is pure athlete and speed off the edge, where uh, Joey and Nick are both probably a little more polished technique, technically mm-hmm. or technician-wise, using their hands and things like that. And I don't know how. I mean, right now Chase is just superior to whatever matchup he's created. Now, granted, it's only four games. They're going to get five, games. five games in, excuse me, and they're going to play a better competition, <laughs> but it's just fun for him and fun for me to watch him play. Here's the thing about Michigan State. There's always been, and you've been around this your most of your adult life, Bruce, and you know this. So I think you agree with me on this, that Michigan State, out of all the teams in the Big Ten, walk around with the biggest chip on their shoulder, and they use it to their advantage. They do, yeah. I can promise you that Michigan State will not be intimidated by Ohio State. They believe that they can play with anybody. It'll be the best challenge or the toughest challenge that this Ohio State offense has received against a pretty good Michigan State defense. And the only way, if I'm Mark D'Antonio, and I said this on our last podcast, I'm saying it again, I'm meeting with my coaches. I'm not telling my players this. I'm telling my coaches this. Look, can't make mistakes. We can't help them in any way. We can't have untimely penalties. We can't have drop passes for first downs or drop passes for touchdowns or drop passes to put us in field goal position. If we do get a chance to score, we have to get every point that we possibly can. Then, on the other hand, on defense, we have probably have to win legitimately – maybe plus 3 at the minimum plus 5 at the maximum to win this football game in turnovers because i think ohio state is that much better but the one thing going in and I, and, and this is coach d'antonio's style i mean he's not he's going to be angry he's, he's always angry but he's not going to let his guys be intimidated by the fact that they play ohio state he does a great job of getting them to believe that they can beat ohio state and i think mark d'antonio has beaten ohio state more than any other team in big 10 as uh, much as
0: uh as well he's beaten since, ohio state uh the game we forget about is the year luke was the coach uh where they had kirk cousins a quarterback and they won 10 to 7 in the stadium he beat urban twice and the only guy who did that uh, other than uh, d'antonio was dabo yeah
1: that's true. Yeah. and so nine,
0: nine losses for Urban, two to Mark D'Antonio. That's A big amazing. title game <laughs> yeah. and, uh, of course, 2015.
1: And so the guy can coach and he gets his guys to play. You might not like the style that they play, but it's their style. And the thing I like about Michigan State and I've always admired about Michigan State, they, and like Wisconsin, they know who they are and they do not go away from who they are. And they recruit to who they are.
0: Well, to your point about their inferiority complex, I mean, they get a double dose of it because, uh, A, their uh, second fiddle in their state to Michigan. Michigan's the royalty program, not necessarily in terms of results lately, but, you know, in terms of profile. tradition, history, yeah, tradition, fan history. base. right? No. Sure. Uh, so there's that. Uh, they don't like being Michigan's little brother. And, you know, Ohio State is looming and always has been looming. And the biggest wins in Michigan State history have always been against Michigan and Ohio State. Even back to the Woody era in 1974, I remember as a young kid watching the 74 game on TV. And they broke an 88-yard run in the final minute. And uh, Ohio State scrambled down the field, scored disputed ending and all that and that game you go to the michigan state press box levi jackson running 88 yards down the right sideline is a huge picture in the michigan state press box 40 some years later it's still one of the landmark events in their history so they've had success mark d'antonio is the all-time winningest coach there he's got 111 wins so that tells you you know they haven't had a ton of guys who've done uh, a great job there it's been a stepping stone program nick saban was there he couldn't wait to get to lsu So, uh, But do they have players? Yes. Do they have players from Ohio? Yes, 28. And so those guys, 28 of them, probably none offered by Ohio State. And so when you come into Ohio Stadium, you're loaded for bear with an I'm-going-to-show-you attitude.
1: And all of his guys are tough guys, and they're physical guys. That's what I talk about, where he understands and knows what he is as a coach, knows what he wants as a team, and recruits – to To those uh, traits, and it and it's and it's it's been beneficial for them. They he's run a very successful program under the uh, under the radar program, and just the way he likes it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. So we'll see. They have a very good defense. They're limiting teams to fifty five yards rushing. Uh, I think Ohio State's actually a little better than that. But offensively, they're challenged. Uh, they put up, you know. Uh, they had 40 against Indiana, but one was a last play defensive touchdown. Brian Lewerke, their quarterback, was horrible last year up there, um, and they've managed three field goals against Ohio State in their last two games against them. Remember, two years ago they came into Ohio Stadium. Ohio State was not playing well, and that was the Mike Weber game where he really yeah. had a great game and we ran him off the field. I think it was 48 to three, and then last year it was it was nine to six going to the fourth quarter, and then it was 26 to six. It ended up uh, Michigan. Michigan State's defense was just on the field all day yeah. long, and finally ran out of gas. And that's what, as you alluded to, they can't afford to do Saturday. No, night. They got to make team. first downs. They've got to they've got to keep the chains moving and at least give their defense uh, a couple of minutes break. Because yeah. boy, uh, this Ohio State offense. The thing that I admire about this Ohio State team to this point in time is, and I I said it to Ryan Day yesterday. I had an exchange with Ryan Day yesterday about. How do you read your team pre-kickoff? You just went out there against Nebraska with all the potential for distraction. Game yeah. day night, first game, time on the road for all a quarterback. This stuff. All, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they were at Indiana, but that's Nebraska is a much different environment.
1: Correct. Thank you.
0: And you just went out there and like played like we're here on business and we're going to do business. And he said, you know that's, He'll say what every coach says. It starts in practice, and you got to have that, and you got to preach toughness and all that stuff, but you have to keep freshening the message. I said it a few weeks ago. We kind of laughed about me being a fanboy. The more I'm around this staff, there is really something special going on in that building. There's something very special going on in that building with the staff and how it works together and with the players and how they react to this staff. And... Um, again, it's very difficult to describe what I see with this team without people taking it like it's a criticism of what was there before. It's not meant as a criticism of what's there before. It's simply analysis of what's what's different about now. That's all it is. It's analysis about what's different now. I would say generally Urban Meyer and Nick Saban coach the same way run their programs the same way, and or a lot of similarities. And no one can argue with the success of either man. You put the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches up there, if they're not on it, they're in the conversation. And so I'm not saying Urban did it wrong. I'm just saying that Ryan does it a teeny bit differently, and his staff is extremely impressive. Uh, Jeff Hafley, his defensive coordinator yesterday, talking about why the staff performs for Ryan Day. I find this very, very interesting.
2: I think it all starts with Ryan. I think the, he lets you coach. Um, he really lets you coach. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't often tell you exactly what to do. He'll guide you. He'll give you suggestions. He'll give you ideas, but he lets you do your job. And to any assistant, that's probably one of the most important things the other thing is he does which to me which a lot of people probably don't even know he respects our family and our time so much and in this business that's very rare to have a head coach who truly respects that what do i mean by that like you guys could see my daughters running up and down the hall anytime you want my wife can come in here and feel comfortable anytime she wants so what that does for me is that just kind of it makes this job so much better and so much more fun that he involves my family and that it feels comfortable to come to work every day, which also leads to, I mean, look at the way he treats our players. Like, he's tough on it, but he does love them. And that's just not talk. That's who he is. And when you do that and you have a culture, staff, and players that's built like that, I just think guys enjoy being in this building right now. And I think that's why they're playing hard and fast and they're confident and they're doing it together.
1: I have no doubt everything he says is true. Mm-hmm. I do think Coach Trestle was open to families being over there. And I think Urban was open to families being over there. And that's how you have to run a program, in my opinion, because of the time demands of the job and coaching, right. especially in season. And so I always respect coaches that are – I'm sure not all of them are like that. But I, when I was working college football, I used to see the coaches, kids, and families and wives around there all the time, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, important. I, I agree with Jeff. I think um, – Jeff, also, you didn't play the cut, but I, I listened to it. It's amazing. This is him, the amount of talent mm-hmm. that he's come in to coach.
0: He was very complimentary of the talent. He <laughs> said the talent they've recruited. And
1: is I will say this until the day I die the number one aspect for winning in college football is recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Yeah. When I'm hiring an assistant coach, I'm going to make the assumption that X is knows, he knows what he's doing because everybody's kind of running the same thing in college football. What kind of recruiter is he? Can he go in and win on the road? That's one of the biggest evaluations I would make when I'm hiring an assistant coach. But everything is great when you're winning. Yeah. There's nothing like a locker room when you're winning. So everything is great, right? And everything is magnified when you're winning and everything is magnified when you're losing. Yes. And that's that's the reality of the situation. I do know this. I think Ryan lets his coaches coach. Uh, I think most coaches do. Uh, That's on the defensive side of the ball because he's not coaching the defense. He's hired guys to coach the defense. So he lets those guys do their job. But when you're intimately involved with the offense and you're the main play caller on the offense, you're involved with every part of that offense. And that's not to say you don't let your coaches coach. It's just that if he's going to be – 98% of his time is going to be spent on the offensive side of the ball, of course he's going to let his defensive guys do their job. Get out of the way and do your job. You're the ones that are invested in the game plan. You're the ones that work the individual drills. You're the ones that work seven-on-seven, nine-on-seven. Uh, Goal line, short yardage, blitz period. I trust you to do the job that I hired you to do. And I think Urban did that for the most part with his defense. Except when he had sometimes guys have to step in. Except when Sammy Watkins caught 10 passes. 18. 18 passes and all of them were screens. And he said, that's never going to happen again here at Ohio State,
0: right? Yeah, I want to get into that uh, briefly because uh, we've got NFL to get to. Uh, but we do want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating featuring Lennox high-efficiency products. If you're doing a new build, you need a furnace, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating is the place to go. They'll give you up to hundreds off your uh, new install furnace or your replacement furnace. They also have, uh, obviously, uh, air conditioning nailed frontwards and backwards. you got a room in your home where you can't get the ductwork to. No worries. They have uh, individual units where they can air condition that room for you. Plumbing. The thing I love about West Jeff Plumbing and Heating, they're on time. You know, you don't want to sit around and wait and wait and wait, guys an hour late. That's not going to happen with West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, and they service all of Central Ohio. 614-879-9606 is the number, and you can reach them on the web, westjeffplumbingandheating.com. You mentioned the Sammy Watkins game. There's been a lot of talk about this team playing a lot of zone defense. The reason Ohio State became an exclusive press man team or almost exclusive press man team was because Urban didn't want to see swing passes and being death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. So is that the way teams will, if they have the talent, and I don't think there are any teams on the regular season schedule that do, but let's say we flash forward to a playoff game, and it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Clemson, and they've got deep wide receiving cores, and they've got fast guys out in the flat, and they've got a talented quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavaloa. Is that how Ohio State could be vulnerable defensively? Why would it not happen again if they're playing zone a lot because like they did back then? Because there's different
1: types of zone that you can play. You can play <laughs> one with two deep where you have five guys underneath. You can play three deep where you have four guys underneath. You can rush three and drop eight. And a lot of the zone defenses um, are determined and based upon formations of what an offense, and this is a scouting report, and this is where coaches earn their money. What do they like to do Mm -hmm. in this formation, depending on down and distance? And when they call that play, okay, even though we're playing zone, you can show press coverage, and that's going to take the offense off of that play because if you risk being impressed, that could be a pick six the other way or minus yardage. So this is where the coaches determine their game plan. On how they do it. Plus, you know, zone defense isn't what it used to be, except by the Bengals, which I'll get into that a little yeah. bit. But zone defense used to be everybody drop to a spot and break on the football. That's not the case. It's everything's a matchup zone now. So it almost turns into man when you have a guy in your zone. And so there's different concepts that you can do, and that's comes by game planning if. That quick screen, for example, it's just a numbers game outside. Mm-hmm. If you have more offensive players than they do have defensive players or an even amount of blockers to their even amount of defenders, then you run a quick screen and hoping your guy makes a guy miss in open field. So uh, I don't think they'll be vulnerable because I think there'll be a game plan to uh, attack a team like that. But the, what allows you to do that, Bruce, is also that if you can win – and and be a hold up against the run without putting an extra man in the box which Ohio State has been more than capable of doing in its first five games then you'll be fine. you know what was interesting where they were a little bit vulnerable most teams are a little bit vulnerable. when did Nebraska have a little bit of success moving to football
0: when they ran that old school when option. they went
1: back to 1980 yeah with fullback trap yeah fullback dive counter option lead option. So no teams know how to defend that because nobody runs nobody that runs and it nobody now. practices against that. So that takes a little bit of an uh, adjustment. And but so- even there,
0: they threw an extra linebacker out there. And I think about the adjustments they can make, and I think about the personnel that they have. You know, let's say they're playing Clemson, and they got Justin Ross, big tall wide receiver. Jeff Acuda is a big tall corner. Yeah, he can he can cause a lot of problems for people because you can't just out jump Jeff Acuda. You look at a guy like uh, Baron Browning gives you a different look at the middle linebacker than Tough Borland mm-hmm. does. So you got some versatility there. Malik Harrison's a big, tall, long out there. So they have and a lot of different interchangeable parts that they can plug, play, and and respond to those situations where should the other team come up with something like that, okay, well, at least we have the personnel we can throw out there and try it.
1: You know, you have the personnel, but you also have to have a scheme to counter two backs in the backfield and I-backs like nobody says. And, you know, we'll see what Michigan State comes out with. You know, that's a little bit more of an old-school type of offense. So the one challenge that Ohio State has to – Uh, be secure on is their gap responsibilities because they play so much spread and all of a sudden you get a two-back team or twelve one, like Ohio State will run a little bit of 12 personnel one back two tight ends you have to make sure that everybody understands where their gap responsibility is because gap responsibilities change when there's two backs in the backfield as opposed to one back if there are two backs in the backfield up front as a defender as a linebacker two backs equal, you're responsible for two gaps. If it comes to the right, I got this gap. If it goes to the left, I got that gap. The reason why you're responsible is because you have an extra blocker in the backfield, so they create a new new gap by which way they run. There's a new gap created. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. But when there's one back in the backfield, they can't create a new gap because there's not an extra blocker in the backfield to create that new gap. So those are things that are pretty easy to coach, but you have to be able to rep those in practice, because it looks different than yeah. it does against one back because of that new gap created.
0: It's really fascinating to think about the chess match between a Clemson Ohio State, a Georgia Ohio State, and Alabama Ohio State over a month period, where you have really elite coaches on both sides and really elite talent That's on both really sides, and exciting. all planning and all that stuff that would happen. Which I certainly think Ohio State is going to be a part of that now. Um, we'll get to Gene Smith and what he had to say yesterday about the California Mm -hmm. proposal that could lead to compensation for players name and likeness, but you have the Bengals this week. Uh, Mo Egger sports talk host on 1530 in Cincinnati tweeted this yesterday. We have Bengals Cardinals tickets to give away. I don't even have a joke for you. Two, two of the six winless teams in the NFL at this juncture, the, uh, Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and the Cincinnati Bengals coming off a 23-7. to uh, As convincing a loss at 23-7, to as you've seen, because the Steelers and their nine first-round picks on defense. Uh, Bud Dupree, uh, uh, the kid from Michigan, uh, Devin, uh, who's the line? Bush. Bush, Devin Bush. P.J. Watt. Eight sacks. Eight yeah. sacks of Andy Dalton. Cam, Cam Hayward, by the way, one of those nine picks, and he yeah. had his way with Andy Dalton, too, and his way with Billy Price.
1: Well, here's the thing uh, um, with with the Bengals right now. Okay, their offensive line (laughs) is made up of guys that are from other teams or other programs. You have Andre Smith. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was from their program, but then he went went to to a bunch of different teams. All right. Cordy Glenn has been out with a concussion for I don't know three or four months. I don't know the significance of it. it. Must have been a very bad one. He's not playing. You have Michael Jordan. Who's a rookie at offensive guard, and, and you know Michael is doing a good job for a rookie, but could have used some little more development. But he's hanging in there. Trey Hopkins, former Cleveland Brown, I believe, was he not, or
0: don't remember that, but live Browns, I okay, don't remember. I
1: don't think Trey started out with with the Bengals. Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. Another guy that didn't start out yeah. with the Bengals. They're cobbled together line, and, yeah, and, and they're hurting
0: because Jonah Williams, their number and, one. Pick's and not here's there. the thing: with and they whiffed on two tackles a couple of years ago. They Whiffed on Cedric Owehe well, and Jake Fisher. They whiffed. Yeah,
1: and the other guy, well, their number one draft pick is out. For Jonah Williams, yeah, yeah, Jonah Williams, and then of course AJ Green is out, and so obviously it's it's not the Bengal team that they were hoping to take the field with. So True. I'm giving them a little bit of a slack there, but that's. You can go that and say about the Washington Redskins, who have six offensive starters that they thought they were going to have to take the field with, right? They don't have it.
0: Got to find a way. And so
1: you see the results when you're playing with backups. Here's the results. So when you are playing with backups and you're playing the game, you have no room for error. Tyler Eifert drops a touchdown pass, changes the complexion of the game. They get a fumble on the Steelers 15-yard line, and they get three points out of it. They were one for three in the red zone with three points out of three trips to the red zone on the road. Can't do that. You're not going to win. No. You can't have untimely penalties. Their tackling in space was atrocious. I don't think it's been good all year. They could not eliminate yard after catch. And they're playing a pretty good offense, in a creative and unique offense, when they play the Arizona Cardinals this week. So I'm interested in the game. I'm doing the game. Uh, thanks, Tom, for living in Cincinnati and asking for a home game. But hey, I'll be home for dinner, which is good. It's good. Very good thing. Uh, but... Watch Kyler Murray. Uh, It's interesting. Uh, I think he's a really good player. I think he's learning some hard lessons, but once he learns those lessons, watch out. I I don't know if you're a believer in Kyler Murray. Yeah, I
0: kind of am. I (laughs) I am. am. More than I am Lamar Jackson.
1: Interesting note, and I'm going to ask Cliff Kingsbury this when I meet with him this weekend, and I think it's one of the smartest things that uh, if he did this, it's probably one of the best decisions that he's made as a coach. He took, because it's a new offense, so he took Oklahoma's terminology Mm -hmm. and used it for the Arizona Cardinals. So the the Oklahoma playbook is the same as what the Arizona Cardinals playbook is. And so if you look at Kyler Murray, and I watched watched the film yesterday, he's correcting and putting people where they're supposed to be. So I thought that was a great move. I'm going to see if he'll confront. Maybe he won't even tell me. I don't know. I've never met Cliff, so I'm kind of anxious to – to talk to him and uh, interesting reading the comments of Zach Taylor. It's been it's tough, man. It's thirty zero and four, and there's it's no, tough. it's there's like no hope. And that's I've been in. You know how great it is to walk around the Ohio State building. You know it's hard to walk around the building when it you're is. zero and four. Your Jeff job Halfley depends on that, winning.
0: Jeff Halfley made that point yesterday. He said he's having more fun coaching now, and he said San Francisco, we're winning. It's, it's, it's hard winning to is have everything. fun when you're not winning.
1: It all comes down to that. Always has, always will. The one constant.
0: All right, yesterday, before the Ohio State press conference began, Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director, came into the room. You might have heard of this California proposal where uh, they've passed a proposal uh, to compensate athletes for their name and likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, it is is—it's uh, called o- pay
1: for play, but that's not. That's it's not uh, pay for play. It's only that's what know, it's called. That's though.
0: what it's called. But basically, it's, you know, here at Ohio State, it would work like Justin Fields. I would assume there'd be a number of advertisers clamoring. Honda, Justin Fields for example. To represent them. Yes, Honda, for instance. <laughs> So let's say in a banner. Of just Justin say Field. theoretically, they could put Justin Fields' picture on a banner, put Honda underneath it, and hang it in the south end zone at Ohio Stadium, and he would be compensated for that. Which uh, is talking theory. So here is Gene <laughs> yeah. Smith on the NCAA, uh, what it has done over the years, and uh, where this could lead, and how he feels about it. it um, the NCAA
1: is
2: a, an organization that has taken a long time to try and, and modernize itself. I think over the last five to eight years, improvements have been made in that space to become more modern. Creating this group is
1: is is an example of that. But we can't have a situation where we have schools and or states with different rules
0: for an organization that's gonna compete together. It can't happen. It's not reality. And so if that happens, then what we need is federal help. So he's calling for federal legislation to come in and make some standard that applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always fearful when the feds get their hands on anything. Um, but he is right. You can't have PAC-12 schools compensating guys for their name and likeness and no other school doing that because guess what? The PAC-12 will start recruiting like crazy because kids will want to go there and they want to get paid. So... Um, you have been a passionate advocate of this, and you've experienced it. Well, not your... quite
1: this. Go ahead. Well,
0: you've been a passionate advocate of players being compensated in some way, shape, or form. Right. More than they currently are.
1: Well, I obviously I had a lawsuit, anybody that has followed this, and a lawsuit was for exactly that. The only difference between my lawsuit and what has been legislated was the fact that uh, I was only fighting for p- former players. Mm-hmm. That when a university uses a former player with a third party, example, Honda, Mm -hmm. and a banner. With my name and likeness on it, there should be some compensation for that player. Or permission ahead of time. Or permission. Well, at least permission at the very least, but there should be compensation because Honda's benefiting, Ohio State was benefiting, Mm -hmm. and meanwhile, hey, thanks for your picture. Thanks and for playing and, here a couple and, of years, and, and, and thirty of years course, ago, so we can use your name. Well, the mind. other thing too, Bruce, is that you know you you would have no control over who you would want to represent you. You know, if if there's a if uh, a vaping company or a beer company or something, which you know, I I drink beer. I used to chew tobacco a long time ago. I don't want to do that. I don't want to support that anymore. Then uh, I now can choose that I don't want to put my name in likeness with that. So, now we told them and it, you know this is it's been what 3 years almost mm-hmm. it's crazy. I can't even believe how long it's been. Well, what's the status of your
0: lawsuit? Well, is I settled with,
1: with Ohio State and and Gene was very cooperative and any money that I received uh went uh to the uh, Stephanie Spielman Fund for breast cancer research, research and to William to start help start the William White Fund. And so I I didn't receive any uh proceeds from that i just want to make sure people understand that because i was doing it for the right reasons with ohio state now img that's still Working its way through the court system. IMG
0: right? is the organization that has the broadcast rights to Ohio State football and everything else. They and sell everything and everything else. So IMG acquires the broadcast rights and then they go out and they sell advertising and that's how they make right. their money. They pay Ohio State a fee to get the rights, then they go sell advertising and then they whatever they're getting above what they're paying Ohio State is IMG's profit. Right.
1: And Michigan has done this with uh, with a sub company and its players with banners. So there's it's still working its way through its courts, but throughout negotiations, we've said all along that it's coming to this. You guys, I mean, you're blind if you don't see the future. I understand what Gene is saying. If I were on that side of it, I'd be standing up pounding the table too. But it's going to come to this, and he's going to say, well, you can't have different rules for different people. Well, there are different rules for different people already. Go to Ohio State's training facility. Go to their players' lounge, their smoothie shacks, that and which gosh, I wish I had, right? Yeah, and the meals that they have for those guys, they had on Twitter that they all did a thing to LeBron James about Taco Tuesday, and they're all eating these tacos. Go to go to uh, let's say Toledo, for example, mm-hmm. or Ball State, you walk in there, you know what you see a box of bagels, not egg white omelets. Yeah, a box of bagels. So everybody's already playing under different rules. Do you see the, the like this? Oh, Doesn't I, change anything. Absolutely. Now, the only thing that I would be an advocate of, and he's exactly right, the NCAA and the universities, which the NCAA compiles the universities, have made great strides. Cost like, of
0: attendance, parents can get yeah, some money to ta- to go to, to postseason to, to, games. Yeah. Postgraduate uh, help for guys who don't get their degree right. in five years. There, they have made some moves.
1: And and and. But my point is, I do think, like saying uh, – um, Justin Fields, hottest name in Columbus, or you can arguably say any the off season, hey, can you come to this event and sign 1,000 autographs? And it's a, it's a, for promotion, and we're going to pay you. I don't understand why a guy can't be able to do that. I don't understand why. If you're going to use my name and autograph and my image, and you're going to pay me now, what you can do, what I would like to see done is that these kids say he gets – 10 grand for doing that. Just say 10 grand, right? Mm -hmm. You take that 10 grand. Now he can use, he gets to keep half, and he takes it and puts it into some type of trust fund or savings account for when he graduates. Then upon graduation, we're going to assume Justin Fields is going to be signed in the NFL. Sure. If he wants to take that money that he accumulated over his years in that savings account and give it back to the university, which I'm a proponent of, to whichever cause he believes in, I think that's a way to go. And I I don't, I mean, that's been my suggestion for years. You and I have talked about this. Yes, many times. So where the school can also benefit and the player can benefit. So why can't the, the player benefit off his name, image, and likeness, and still the school can still benefit off his name, image, and likeness? that's what I would suggest or not even or just say okay you get 50 percent the university gets 50 percent I think that's a fair deal for the players and and Pennsylvania just picked this up this legislation. Is picking it up eight other states are gonna yeah. seven including Pennsylvania are going to pick this up it's coming so let's put our heads together realize that you can't stop it and here's the thing why, where IMG uh is it's, it's another company now IMG sold to Sutter or I forget the name of the company. I'm sorry. It's okay. But here's the thing. Why wouldn't you want to be the first in on this to represent the college athletes? There's, the there's selling a, of the name, image, and likeness. Why would you not be first? Why are you not head of the game?
0: Yeah, you're right. It is coming. Uh, the NCAA can't stop it. We said
1: that three years ago. said
0: it three years ago. And um, it's it's been a thing where, and we'll get in on the Friday podcast to all the different. Uh, difficulties in implementing this and trying to troubleshoot it. Uh, it is going to radically change college athletics. It is going to—I don't see any way that it doesn't uh, radically change, does it change even more so the competitive balance. Friday, we'll get into okay. all that on Friday. But um, all right, just one little quick snippet. Justin Fields was up there uh, Tuesday and he was talking. Somebody asked him if he, he uh, had taken his offensive lineman out to dinner. And he said, "Yeah, we took him to Benny Hanna And I thought. You know, there's going to be a day where Justin Fields or the next Justin Fields is going to be up there because of this name and likeness thing, and he's going to say, "You know, we took him to Benny Hanna. Benny Hana at one eight two five Dublin Granville Road, <laughs> yeah. and man, I love the Benny Hanna. He's going to do a live read up there in front. Good, good for him, so that he can get the money. More that's, power to that's him. That's exactly what's More going on. More power to him. And I will tell you on Friday why I'm in favor of it. I've been reluctant wow. to go along with it, but I've been, I am all in on it now. Wow, all in on it. Uh, all right, uh, we always end the podcast with uh, a faith aspect. Uh, we don't rehearse this, so I don't know if you have anything. If you uh, Go ahead. I uh, was reading yesterday in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.22. Ephesians or Ephesians? Ephesians. Thank you. I, I didn't, I
1: didn't I said, know if you added a new book to the no, Bible. I know you're very powerful. Yeah. No. And you're very good with the pen. <laughs> no.
0: We're but we're, I didn't know you wrote a new we'll book. We'll stick with what's already been canonized. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, surprisingly, none of your work has been yet. <laughs> not yet. That's what you're saying? <laughs> uh, not even close.
1: So, Ephesians. Ephesians, E-f- Bruce. Not Ephesians. Okay. I don't know what Ephesians. Oh, Ephesians. Right. I guess that's my... Is it affol- Ephesians?
0: E-f- how do you say it? It's Ephesians. Ephesians. I never
1: heard it called Ephesians. Okay, well, that's my
0: right. that's my West right. Liberty, Ohio, Central, Western Ohio accent. Uh, 222. Yes. And it uh, is talking about... Um, how we are the temple of God. And we are built on the uh, foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ. The chief cornerstone is Christ. And I was just having read in the Old Testament recently a lot about Solomon's temple and how it took Solomon seven years to build the temple and the degree to which, the detail to which he went. No iron tool was to be heard used in the temple. They did all the fabricating, you know, by chisel and stuff away from the temple site. They inlaid everything with they overlaid everything with gold, fine linen. They went to far away to get cedar and everything was cedar and just the detail, if you read in Samuel or read in Kings, the detail of the temple is amazing. And I thought about the detail and the majesty of the temple and that was where God lived. And it was built to exact specifications. And then to think about now because of Jesus coming, we are the temple and to think about how, um, how much God thinks of us, to accord us that status, that we are the temple for his spirit. Uh, that should do a lot of things for us. Number one, it should show us our value uh, in Christ. Number two, it should show us uh, that uh, you know, we shouldn't be beaten down by the uh, things of this world and by opinions of other people and social comparisons and things like that. So it's just very, very um, powerful to me to think about the fact that that splendid, majestic temple, God looks at me that same way. Really powerful to me.
1: Speaking about name, image, and likeness.
0: Yeah, nice (laughs) nice application. Nice application.
1: God gives us plenty of royalties, by the way, so I think we're good for for use of his name, image, and likeness on a a daily basis. Um, Well, you have anything? uh, Well, I I mean, I, I think that's... Obviously, uh, very interesting that you say, and it's a good way to look at it, that we are created, uh, special, although there are, there are no mistakes. I can't explain to you why some people were born with certain struggles in their life. I have no idea why, but I'm sure it's, it's not to be, it's for a purpose or a reason. And what I keep going back to is that I've been entrusted with, uh, god's holy spirit i've been entrusted with his nil his name image and likeness Mm -hmm. and if i'm entrusted with that it's my choice whether i choose to trust back that i am here for a greater purpose probably something that i won't see while i'm on on this earth but it goes back to what i always talk about with anybody that is going through struggles or trials or tribulations is that you know, we we have such a, a small mind when it comes to living that we only think we're going to live if we're lucky lucky to 75 years of age. I don't even know what the average age is, 72. Probably about, a, about there right now. 75 years. If you're lucky, uh, you get 90. If you're lucky, you get 90. Uh, you know, if you live, who knows? You just don't know. And each each day is not promised. And so I've really, because of my personal experience, I've really... Uh, Been able to focus on what it means to live for eternity and have an eternal perspective and start investing into that eternal life. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, and I'm bringing it back to sports here because it's how I relate a lot of things. It's almost like when I was a player and when I was a young kid and I thought everybody could be a professional football player. All I had to do was put hot dogs and bologna in my pants and have our dogs chase us around the yard to work on lateral movement. Then as I got older and uh, when I started finding my friend Steve Studer in Madison, Ohio to train me lift weights. When I started watching film and when I got to the NFL, how can I make myself a better player? I was training myself for the future and practicing myself and, and investing in my future. So now... What I try to do on a daily basis is not only invest in my future in eternity by doing things that I think uh, uh, that God asks us to do, Mm -hmm. but I try to do that with all my family. One of the practices that I've put into place for the last, I don't even know how many years, I, I, I lost count, which is a good thing, is that every day, every morning, before I do anything, I send out, a Bible verse to probably, it started with probably 10 people, now it's probably 100 people, every single day. And I think I've had only one person ask me to stop over at least the last eight years. And so not only am I investing in my eternity, I'm hoping that I'm investing in somebody else to invest in their eternity. There's,
0: awesome. Great uh, great way to start your day, no doubt about that. All right, we'll be back Friday with another edition of the uh, Spielman & Hooley podcast. We want to thank our friends at Flashes o Fun Photography, Senior Pictures, Pet Pictures, a great gift idea for somebody in the family. Extremely affordable book online, flashesofun.com. And they'll give you $50 off.
1: I just i had a Bible verse pop up on my phone, ironically enough. You want to hear what it is? I do. It's from First John 2.17. Well, this will be good.
0: About love, probably.
1: The world is passing away with its lusts, but he who does God's will remains forever. So I thought that was an appropriate close to what we just talked about.
0: Absolutely. So thanks for joining us. Subscribe. Go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com. Search Spielman and Huli. Your reviews help us uh, structure the show um, and also help us with sponsors, which uh, that's a good thing, too. That's the reality. Name, image, and likeness. There you go. There we go. All Mill. Right. Talk to you again on Friday. Thanks, everybody.
1: Yet. Ha, <laughs> ha,